have been studying the book of job we have completed uh, the first two chapters till verse 10 and uh, today we are looking from chapter 2 verse 11 onwards in the end of chapter 3 to be very honest i struggled with this passage uh, almost two weeks back i was told that i have to speak today and uh, it was not until yesterday morning uh, you know i was somehow able to relate to this passage because uh, when i was seeing the morning of job i was not able to relate to it because personally i have not gone through something like this that had made me curse the day that i was born or even look forward to death rather than look forward to something good happening and it was and it was very difficult to understand this passage but, but more i started reading again and again i referred many books and none of it gave me clarity as to you know what job would have gone through and the more i read i understood one thing and that's the title of my sermon helpless but not hopeless helpless but not hopeless if you read this chapter 3 you will feel that job has absolutely lost it he is thinking about the day that he was born and he is cursing that day he is even questioning why he was born or when he was born why didn't he die at the same point in time but in all this we see the helplessness of a man who is broken but when we read the subsequent chapters we see that job is still hopeful for things to turn around 3 weeks back uh, stanley gave a message there is no hopelessness in christ and that that was on my mind constantly when i was reading this chapter there was this story it's not a real one but it's pretty much most of our response when we go through some difficult time so there was this man named jack and uh, he liked to do mountain climbing and go to uh, cliffs which was dangerous so one morning he got up and uh, he decided you know what i'm going to go to the cliff and see how dangerous it is and he was an adventurous guy so he did it he did that so that morning he went up unfortunately for him his leg slipped and he fell from the cliff so as he was falling fortunately for him he found a branch of a tree that was hanging so he held on to that and he saw down it was almost 100 feet more down and if he leaves his hand he would pretty much die and at that point in time you know all he could shout is help help is anyone there and he's shouting that no no one is responding again he's shouting help help is anyone there still no response finally he he thinks to himself you know what this is it this is the day when i die and the moment he almost gave up there came a voice jack jack can you hear me and uh, jack was like yes yes i can hear you where are you who are you i can't see you and uh, the sound came back and it said jack is the lord i'm the lord so jack was astonished so he said the lord the god yes that's me so jack was like pretty much troubled so he said god if you save me i will stop sinning i'll be a very good person i'll give 50% of what i earn to you god just save me so god says, tells him you know what wait on your promises don't make promises yet you know what i'll save you so do one thing yes yes god you tell me whatever you want i'll do it okay all you have to do is leave your hand and let yourself go 
and there was utter silence jack didn't know what what was this after thinking almost 5 minutes he again shouted help help is anyone else up there that's our response right sometimes god brings us to this cliff a dangerous cliff and we are hanging to the branch and when we see down there's a there's a deep fall and if you leave your hand you pretty much die and sometimes god wants you to leave that branch leave the last thing that you're hanging on to and trust him completely for jack he shouted is anyone else up there for help pretty much that's our response we try to find answers by ourselves rather than relying on god as to what his desire is out of a particular situation that he brings about in our life god graciously gives his people suffering and faith so that they can enjoy magnifying christ in their suffering so that they can enjoy magnifying christ in their joys there's no situation in our life that just comes for no reason if there is a joy moment of joy in our life that's pretty much an opportunity for us to say thank you but if the moment of suffering that comes in our life it's again a moment for us to magnify christ and say thank you for this moment as well sometimes god wants us to leave our hand and let it go of all that we are hanging on to job is a story of man undergoing a severe test we saw in chapter 1 and chapter 2 that he was a subject of chest, uh, test and that he experienced tremendous suffering and we cannot understand that at least i cannot understand that because it's very difficult for me to fathom because i have not gone through something like this in chapter 1 we saw that all that he had he lo- he loses that with the blink of an eye it was within seconds he was getting news after news that you know what your children died you know what your livestock is taken you know what everything that you own is gone within seconds it's happening for him then in chapter 2 it gets worse he gets sick and he has no he has no absolutely no idea why that's happening what scripture tells us he was the most righteous man to walk on the planet at that point in time he was righteous blameless upright and this is god himself testifying about job so why is job going through all this and job has no idea and this is the response of a man who's going through things in his life which is terrible and this is his response because he doesn't understand why why it's happening in chapter 2 he gets sick really sick so he has boils and sores all over his body from head to toe and uh, the verse uh, 8 9 and 10 we read that he's sitting there in the ashes and there is a broken pottery he has taken one of the pieces and he's i think he's scratching himself releasing the irritation the pain or maybe there might be pus or other things it might have got infected and he's just trying to get some relief and he's sitting in the ashes and he's and he's scratching himself with that broken pottery and we see his wife comes and says you know what job you curse god and die first he loses his family he loses his wealth all that he owned has gone away he loses his even pretty much a good looking guy he loses his health also and then he loses the support of his wife as well completely broken is what job is at this point in time at this point the book of job in chapter 2 verse 11 onwards so now is the time when three of his friends come we read that and these three friends come in order so they heard the, they heard the news that you know what our friend job is in tremendous he's going through tremendous suffering let's go and comfort him 
So they are coming from far and they see a man and they could not recognize him. So what they do when they come closer, they see, oh, it's our, it's our friend Job. And seeing the state of Job, all they could do is they sat down with him in the ashes. And they sprinkled the dust over their head and they tore their robes and they sat down with him for seven days. And no one, three of them were dead and no one opened the mouth for seven days. Imagine this, this emotional trauma that Job might be going through. When we have a difficult time, what do we, call, what do, we do? We do pray, but then we do call our friends. And we try to discuss, we try to ease our burden by talking to someone. Right? And here is three best friends, they are here and they are quiet for seven days. They are quiet for seven days. And by the end of seven days, I think all the three of the friends start to suspect that Job is going through something because of what he has done. Something he has done, that's why God is punishing him. And that's their conclusion. We'll read that from chapter 4 onwards. Their conclusion is, seeing Job's misery, that something this man would have done, that God has cursed him. That's their conclusion. And that's all they could do. But for seven days, they are sitting there quietly. And chapter 3 begins with a bitter lament from Job. We know that almost a week has gone through from the time he develops sores and he loses his health. Almost a week has gone through because that's what his friends were sitting there for a week with him. right? So almost a week has gone through. Complete silence. I think no one spoke to each other. And in that moment of depression or in that moment wherein he thought that he's completely helpless, nothing is left in his life, he begins this chapter 3. He opens his mouth with a tremendous cry as he longs for death. How many times we have felt powerless, unmotivated, there's a famous saying, right? God help those, those who help themselves. That's a worldly way of promoting, right? God help those, those who help themselves. And this, this, this phrase was there on my mind and it didn't make sense at all. That's the world that is telling us. But the scripture doesn't tell us. The Bible doesn't tell us. That's not the truth. God help those, those who help themselves. I see the helplessness of Job here. A man who has reached a point that he is wishing death for himself. Before we look at how to survive helplessness, I want to review two observations from Job chapter 3. And uh, chapter 1 to 3. The first observation that is pretty much clear and the last two times I have been making that that the first observation is that suffering is not always a result of sin. Many a times it might be, but it's not always a result of sin. And that's important for you and me as believers, as we, as we, as we grow in Christ, for us to remember this. There might be times when God would allow suffering and you would have not done anything to deserve that. But in God's sovereign will, He decides for you and me to go through that. Suffering is not always the result of sin. In chapter 1 and chapter 2, we read that when everything was taken away from him, Job did not disobey God. He did not displease God. In chapter 1, ending of chapter 1 and, in, and, and ending of chapter 2, we, we read that he was able to glorify God and he was able to say that my God is sovereign over my suffering. He did not sin. In chapter 1, he, we read, he, he cried out, Naked I came from my mother's womb and naked shall I return. The God gave and the God has taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. 
that was his response when every earthly position and his children were taken away from him. In chapter 2, when his health was taken away from him, we read that, shall we only expect good from God and not evil? In all this, Job did not sin. So everything that he's going through is not a result of something that he has done that has displeased God. He's a righteous man. He's a good man. He obeys God. He follows everything that he says. But he's going through something that even he doesn't understand. The second observation is, God doesn't answer all the questions that we have in our mind when we go through suffering. Chapter 3, Job asked three principal questions to God. In his lament, in his cry, in his mourning, he's asking three principal questions. Number one, he asked, why was I ever born? As, I, as we go through these three principal questions, let me remind you, he never gets answers to any of these three. God has a different way of talking to him as we, as we go through the book of Job. Verse, uh, chapter 30, 38 onwards, we'll see God's response. And his God's response is not to Job, why you went through. God's response to Job is completely different. The first question he asks is, why was I ever born? Verse 1, after this, Job opened his mouth, mouth and cursed the day of his death. And Job said, let the day perish wherein I was born. And the night which said, a man-child is conceived. Let that day be darkness. May God above not seek it, nor light shine upon it. Let gloom and darkness claim it. Here is Job reflecting back on the day of his birth. For us, when we celebrate birthday, we, we usually look at good things, right? There's always a cake, there's brownies, or there might be balloons, and we go out... Maybe have a good dinner or a meal. It's always happy. Here is Job. He's thinking of his birthday. Okay? The day he was born. And he's cursing that day. Why was I ever born? Is Job asking question. He's, seeing, he's looking at his suffering. And it's not making any sense. And the first question that he asked. Why was I born God? When I was looking at this question, one thing I realized, when Job was asking this question, he forgot everything that God had done in the past for him. He's only fixated to what is going right now in his life. And he has reached this point that he's questioning, why was I even born? Many times you and me go through the same thing, right? We are so fixated with our problems at that point of time, we forgot the faithfulness of God that he has the things that he has done in our life, all throughout our life. Does that one moment or one season of difficulty change who we are? Or change what God has done in our life? Or change God himself for us? God never changes. God has been faithful. He will remain faithful. But for us, as believers, I'll encourage you and me to be faithful, to remember the things that God has done in our life and not forget everything in that momentary season of suffering. Job forgets everything. And he comes very close to cursing God, but he does not. All he does is he curses the day of his birth. And he curses God. Why did God even allow that day to even come into existence? You can see that now the pressure is increasing in Job's life, right? Now, you know, it has come to a point that now he's breaking down, he's crumbling, and, and, and it's beyond his control. And on top of that, he's seeing his three friends keeping quiet right in front of his face, who has torn their robes, who have put ashes on their head, they are mourning with him, and Job is like, come on, come on guys, say something. Job has no hope. Job has no help at all from any of his friends. 
and he's lamenting. In the midst of life's test, we often ask, why me, right? Last, twice when I've spoken from Job, this has been the question that I've been always asking. We as believers, we often tend to ask, why me? If we go through our health issues, maybe some sickness that we cannot fathom, maybe cancer or maybe heart disease or something, why this, why this disease right now in my life? Sometimes we don't get jobs that we desire. God, why? I did everything, but why I'm not getting the job that I desire? Sometimes you pray for a life partner, but God delays that moment of joy in your life, but you're, you're crossing 20s, 30s, maybe touching 40s. Things are just not happening. You ask God, why? You lose your loved ones. Out of this blue, suddenly you ask, God, why? Sometimes we don't understand why things are happening in our life. We cannot fathom why things are happening in our life. And that's what Job is also going through. He cannot understand absolutely anything what is happening. All he could do is look back and curse the day that he was born because that's all he can do. Because it's not making any sense for him. In all this, I'm reminded of his response in chapter 2, verse 10, shall we accept good from God and not trouble? The second question he asks is, having been born, why didn't I die at birth? Is the second important question that he asks in chapter 3. Okay, Lord, you allowed for me to come into this world but why didn't you kill me at that point in time itself as an infant? Verse 11 onwards. Why did I not perish at birth and die as I came, into, came from the womb? Where my knees to receive me and the breast that might be, I might be nursed. My life is totally meaningless is what Job is saying. It would be better for me to die at birth than to go through what I'm going through right now. The question that I asked at that point in time is, Job is going through a lot of suffering, right? And he's cursing the day that he was born. He's cursing, Lord, you, you allowed me to come into this world. Why didn't you kill me at that point in time? The question that I asked when I was, when I was reading this particular passage, why didn't he commit suicide? You know, he has reached the point. He has reached the point where he cannot take anything more. He's cursing everything that has happened related to his birth. The only thing that he's not doing is taking his own life at that point in time. Which reminds me that he has not given up on God. He's still hopeful for things to change. Job's, Job's lament and question reflected his helplessness, but not his hopelessness. I think Job was still hopeful that God will come true in his life. He's helpless right now because he cannot do anything by himself. Maybe he could not even walk. Maybe even to talk, he might be finding difficulty because it was, he was having sores all over his body, maybe in his mouth also. It was, he was helpless. He could not do anything. All he could do is hope in God that one day his God will come true. In his life. The third question that he asked in this chapter 3 is Why was I born? The question of very existence that he asked. Why is he existing in this world? Verse 20 onwards Why is light given to those in misery and life to bitter in soul, to those who long for death? That does not come, who search for it more than for the hidden treasures, who are filled with gladness and rejoice when they reach the grave. Why is life given to man whose ways are hidden, whom God has hedged in? For signing comes to me instead of food, my groans pour out like water. 
what i feared has come upon me what i dreaded has happened to me i have no peace no quietness i have no rest but only turmoil here job is questioning the very purpose of his life he is saying god why have you even given life to someone who is going through this misery what is the purpose of this life of misery of this pain of this suffering i don't see an end to this job is at a point in life wherein he is not able to see the end of this suffering he can see his suffering but he cannot see the end of his suffering so he's asking god a very practical question god if you want me to suffer like this why don't you take my life what is the purpose for me to even live right now he's not trying to take his own life but he's asking god god take my life let me you know be free from all this misery all this pain all this suffering that i'm going through the very purpose of his life is asking you know it reminds me of uh, have you ever gone for a maybe a blood test or something and the reports are pending and it gets delayed and you're sitting in the waiting room or you want to visit a doctor and there is a long line of patients and you're waiting maybe you go for counseling and you're just waiting because someone else is there and you're not getting your turn it's like sitting in a waiting room right you're just waiting when will your turn come when will i get the answers when will i get the results when will i know why this is happening what is causing this what is the root cause you're just waiting in that waiting room and that's what is job is going through he's in that waiting room unfortunately for him the wait time is more than he would have ever expected my dear brothers and sisters as i was preparing from chapter 3 i got goosebumps just to think what if i go through this what if god puts me in that waiting room wherein i would not be able to seek answers i would not be able to see the end of anything that i might be going through but god wants me to wait in isaiah it says those who wait on the lord will soar on wings like eagle right that's what scripture says sometimes god wants us to wait on him wait on the lord i think that's the most difficult thing that we have to go through waiting we are impatient people especially the next gen is even more impatient we want results anything we we want to know why we have 10000 questions related to it imagine you don't get answers to any of it we can be impa- we can be impatient we can we can we can be miserable in our waiting time but sometimes god wants us to wait because scripture says those who wait on the lord will soar on wings like eagle here we see job is helpless three questions he ask but he didn't find any answers to that but when i looked at is is job only helpless but when i read chapter 4 onwards i felt job was helpless but not hopeless why i say that because i'll give you three reason number one god job placed his hope in god's sovereignty job placed his hope in god's sovereignty when we read job chapter 7 verse 17 18 and 19 it says what is man that you make much of him that you give him so much attention verse 18 that you examine him every morning and test him with every moment will you never look away from me or let me alone even for an instant look at job's response he's saying god what is man that you make much of him that you give him so much of attention i think even after listening to this lament i thought this is the end of job the more i read 
the further chapters it reminded me that job is constantly putting his hope on the sovereignty of the living god he's saying what is man that you make much of him verse 42 verse 2 says i know you do you can do all things no plans of yours can be thwarted by god's sovereignty he is saying that god is in control you know job is saying you know what god you are in charge he is saying god you are sovereign over my life all i can do at this point in time i am helpless i cannot even walk this sores all over my body i am in pain i cannot even talk yet i put my hope in you because you are sovereign over my situation second job job placed his hope in god's righteousness we read that in chapter 4 verse 17 can a mortal be more righteous than the god can a man be more pure than his maker 8 verse 3 thus god twists justice thus the almighty twist what is right chapter 12 verse 13 he says the true wisdom and power are with god counsel and understanding are his counsel and understanding are his i think job in his pain and suffering understood and he's testifying that my god is a righteous god and he's saying can a man be more purer than his maker can god twist justice and then he goes on to say the true wisdom and power are with god counsel and understanding are his job understood that whatever god does he does right there is no wrong in him my god is a righteous god and god and job is putting his hope in this righteousness of god third job placed his hope in god's redemption job placed his hope in god's redemption we read that in chapter 19 verse 25 26 and 27 of job but as for me i know that my redeemer lives and that i will stand upon the earth at last and after my body has decayed yet in my body i will see god was 27 i will see him for myself yes i will see him with my own eyes i am overwhelmed at that thought i think job was able to put his hope in god's redemption the only hope that we have as believers that one day god will redeem us from all this pain and suffering that we go through god will redeem us from the pain and suffering that we go through we read three things about job one he was able to place his hope on god's sovereignty second job was able to place his hope on god's righteousness third job was able to place his hope on god's redemption i think as believers these are the three things that we can learn from chapter 3 but how important is hope for you and me as believers how important it is to hope in times of helplessness at times when you don't see what is the next step that you have to take hope moves us forward hopes hope moves us forward hope energizes the present you know when i when i think about this point hope energizes our present as believers we long for christ to come and this world to end and have wonderful fellowship with god but for the world it's a doomsday that they dread they don't want to even think about it that's the difference between you and me uh, you and uh, the world right we are looking forward for christ to come and this world to end 
and one day have fellowship with our God face to face. But the world is dreading that doomsday. For us, hope energizes the present because we are looking at the big picture. Our momentary suffering on this world is temporary. We are looking for the big picture that Christ will come one day and he'll take us home. You know, for many of us, the suffering might not end with your life in this, on this earth. If you're hoping that if you're going through something, before your death, it might go away and you will see something good happening. It may not. Maybe God might allow suffering even at that moment of death. It, he may allow it to prolong, prolong. And you might not see the end of it on this earth. In this life, you might not see the end of it. But we have an eternal call that one day we will be with our Savior. Joyful, rejoicing, praising Him face to face. I think that's what we have to long for. Hope stabilizes the storm. There are 66 drawings of the anchors in the catacombs the caves and the tunnels that persecuted Christians uh, who were hiding from the Romans' persecutions. There were 66 drawings. You know, hope was their anchor in those dark days, in those stormy days. Those drawings were signs of what they had learned about God and what they believed. And they had put an anchor at that point in time. You know anchor, right? Anchor holds on to something stable. It stabilizes the storm. And that's what hope does for you and me. When the storm comes, when the difficult times come, it's, it's, it's wobbly. Our ship is wobbly. You know, we are always doubting. But when you put the anchor, it holds still. Hope is something like that. Hope helps us to move forward. Hope energizes our present. Hope stabilizes the storm. Looking at Job, I could only think of one person who, could, who, would have, who has gone through something very similar. The dark night or this moment of pain that we could not even imagine or fathom. And that's Lord Jesus Christ. It takes me to Matthew chapter 26. The Garden of Gethsemane. You remember that night? We have, we have read that portion so many times, right? He's in the garden and he takes two of his friends, Peter and two sons of Zebedee. And uh, in Matthew chapter 26, verse uh, 37 onwards. And he's there with his close friends. And uh, his soul is very sorrowful, even to death, is what is mentioned in, chapter th- in uh, verse 38. His soul is sorrowful even to death. You know, I think something he, we could relate to what is happening to Job. But his response is completely different. You know, Job is cursing all the days that he was born or when he was born. Why didn't he die? Or what is the purpose? Why, why God even you have given me breath at this point in time? Look at the response of our Lord Jesus Christ. He knew what is coming ahead of him. You know, right? He, he knew that he's going to die. He knew that he's going to get scourged. He knew that he's going to get nailed. He knew that he was going to get spat upon. He knew that he was going to get pierced. He knew that he will be hanging on the cross for hours. He knew that he will be bearing the sin and the shame of you and me. In the garden of Gethsemane. He said, Father, take this cup away from me, but let not my will, your will be done. Completely surrendering to the Father and the will of the Father. The pain that he knew that he will suffer, that's even more difficult, right? If suddenly something happens to you, okay. But if I tell you tomorrow, something terrible is going to happen to you. You know what? You're going through. You're going to go through A, A, B, C, D, and it's all going to be pathetic. Everything is going to be taken away from you. You will die. Can you sleep that night? 
Look at Jesus Christ. And that's what he is going through. His sweat drops came poured down from his face in the form of blood. Yet Jesus fixed his eye on the glorious future grace that awaited him on the other side of the cross. Hebrews 12.2 says, For the joy that was set before him, he endured the cross, despising the shame and is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. I think Jesus Christ knew the big picture. He knew the purpose for which God had sent him. And the purpose was to take all our sins and die on the cross. He was able to see the big picture because he rose up again on the third day. And now he seated on the right hand of, the God, of God. I'll just conclude. I'll just take maybe two more minutes. Many of a time when we go through difficult time or the time of trials and difficulties, we want immediate gratification, right? We want immediate result. But putting our hope in God's redemption can overcome hope, helplessness in this life. I'll repeat that. Putting hope in God's redemption we can overcome the helplessness in this life. That's all we have. Hope in God. That's all we can do. Hope in God. That one day God will come true in our life. Proverbs 19.21 This is what we read in one of our family time. Many are the plans in the mind of a man. But the promise, but the purpose of the Lord will stand. Proverbs 19.21 Many are the plans in the mind of a man, but it is the purpose of the Lord that will stand. Isaiah 46.10 says, He declares, The end from the beginning and from ancient times, things not yet done, saying, My counsel shall stand and I will accomplish all my purpose. I think we need to rely on God Fulfilling his purpose in our life. We have a lot of plans in our life, right? We want to do a lot of things in our life. When we get up, we plan our day. We plan our careers. We plan our marriage. We plan everything. We plan finances, everything. It's good to plan. But the purposes of God will be established is what I can tell you. There's a beautiful poem that talks about the grace of God, and I'll end with that. As believers, I would encourage each and every one of you to look with hope towards the grace of God in the time of difficulties. And the poem goes like this. My grace, this the Lord of all grace who hath spoken, whose word in the heavens forever is set, whose covenant promise hath never been broken, who never can fail nor forget, who knoweth my needs, who seeth my sorrows, however so many and great they may be, who heareth my prayer for the days and my morrows, his grace is sufficient for me. My grace, all his blessings, this work is unfolding. His love and his power, his harmony blend. Tis grace that hath saved me, and grace that is holding, and grace that will keep me to the end. Tis grace that hath written redemption's glad story, and grace all song of ransom shall be. Tis grace that transforms me from glory to glory, that grace is sufficient for me. Sufficient for thee, for my utmost salvation, as though ne'er another had owned him a death. For my special grief and my special temptation, my cares and my sins that beset. He giveth more grace for my humble endeavor. I am praising him now. I shall praise him forever. His grace is sufficient for me. Second Corinthians 12 verse 9 says, And he said to me, My grace is sufficient for thee. For my weakness is made perfect. For my strength is made perfect in my weakness. Most gladly, therefore, I will 
rather glory in my inf- infirmities that the power of Christ may rest upon me. Let's pray. Our gracious heavenly Father, Lord. Lord, we want to give you all glory and honor. Lord, we know that in our times of helplessness, Lord, you are only our hope. Lord, we can only look towards the cross and what you have done and and remember that you died for each and every one of us. And not just died, Lord, not just took the shame, not just took all our sins away, but gloriously you rose up again on the third day. Lord, we don't come here to worship a dead God, but we come here in the presence of a living God, which gives us so much of hope that one day, irrespective of our situations on this world, irrespective of all our sufferings that we might be going through, irrespective of all the unanswered questions that we may have in our mind, that one day, Lord, all this will be over. And one day, we will be in your presence, praising you, singing songs to you, glorifying you. Oh, what glorious day that would be. Lord, all this sufferings that we go through in this world, Lord, we acknowledge that this is temporary. Lord, you intend sometimes sorrows in our life. It might not be a direct result of our sins or what we have done, but there is a bigger purpose that you want to accomplish and Lord, we want to acknowledge that. Lord, we pray for this. Lord, I personally pray for the church. Lord, I pray for individuals in the church. Many might be going through this time of suffering, time of trials, wherein they might not know the answer. Lord, I pray that help them to hope in you. As your scripture says, those who hope in you will soar on wings like eagles. Lord, we want to be like those eagles who can soar because we will not get tired, we will not get weary because we have hope in our eternal God who is the living God, who loves us, who adores us and who has promised that he will never leave us nor forsake us. Lord, with this promise, Lord, we want to say thank you for all the things that you have done. Thank you for the word. Thank you for allowing us to spend time from Job and his life and his suffering and understand that there is hope for each and every one of us. Lord, we want to give you all glory and honor. We ask this prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. Good morning, CBF. Good morning, CBF. It's two times every day. Um, we welcome you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Um, we have a few visitors here. I would uh, request you to stand up uh, where you're seated so we can meet up with you right after the meeting. Um, we have uh, Nan Raj. Hello. Um, Maria and Priyanka. This is Prashant's mom and sister. Please be seated. Hello. Um, we have Barekar and uh, Elizabeth Barekar. I'm sorry if I'm not pronouncing the names right. And Umed uh, and Patiksha. These are um, brothers and sisters from Thane Assembly. Please be seated. Thank you. Um, we have Ebi Maman, Sunu Abraham, and Isaac. Uh, these are friends of Ravent. Welcome to CBF. Um, we have uh, Vinu Maman, Judith, Judith, and Mia. Welcome you all in the name of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Every Sunday morning at 9 a.m., we, uh, we gather here at uh, WCOI for worship and the Lord's table. 10.05 is uh, time for the ministry from God's Word. Uh, next week's speaker is Ravent. 10.45 is a time for announcements. 11.05 uh, is a small break that we have. And 11.25, we have the Sunday school and simultaneously having a second meeting in the, in the second floor. This time, we have the men's study today. We request all young men to participate. Meetings during the week. Um, Sunday at 5 p.m., we gather at uh, Jerry and Bernice's home. This is the Hindi fellowship. Tuesday at 8 p.m., we gather at John Paul and Sibi's home. This is, for the, um, this is at Domlur. At, uh, on Wednesday, we gather at the Mustard Cafe. This is for the people of the Kormangla area. For the people in Sarjapur area, they're gathering at Jerry and Bernice's home again on Thursday. 
and uh, in North Bangalore and Jason in Shiny's home. That's on a Thursday. And for those working in the night shifts, we have a meeting happening on Fridays at 9:30 a.m. at Betty and Joseph uh, Betty Joseph's home. Student group meetings. Um, um, Monday we have it at Sean Johnson's home, and. We also have it, uh, that's at 7.30 p.m. Also at 5.30 p.m. we have it at Sarjan and Shilpa's home. This is for the Christ University girls. Tuesday, Christu Jayanti College girls will be meeting at uh, Preeti and Benji's home. Wednesday, for the St. Joseph's boys, it's at Garuda Mall. Con you can contact jo Pradeep or Jobin. On Friday at 6 p.m., we have, usually have the Christu Jayanti College boys. This one is on break. The monthly meetings... Uh, we have the Kadesh ministry scheduled for September 22nd, and um, that is at the venue, Kadesh uh, Kids Home. And we have on September 29th, the single girls study happening at Karen Kishore's home. Um, Mission Trip Baloth, uh, Blaze Academy is looking for, uh, is inviting volunteers on the 21st of December for their annual day. Um, the, for, um, the sparks for this are Sujay, Jebin, and Tanya. If you're interested, please contact them. Um, there's, there's a time for outreach and Christmas programs in Kurenar. Um, there's very limited tickets available. Please do contact Sujay, Jebin, or Tanya if you're interested. Um, we have the baptism scheduled for October 2nd, 11 a.m. at Bethesda Assembly, Fraser Town. October 2nd, 11 a.m., we have the, uh, we have the uh, baptism happening. Um, we have a small video to show you for the camp.